Welcome to the Clear Ads podcast, Highway to Sell. You're here with Tom Wankon, Head of Account at Clear Ads. Some of you know I've been away for a while on a sabbatical tour in Japan, but now I'm back, bigger, refreshed, and better than ever. This week, we're continuing with our guest series with George Maressa and our two amazing guests, Rich Goldstein and Sean Hart. Rich Goldstein is a patent lawyer and focuses on IPO protection and trademarks in the Amazon space fascinating and important topic for all Amazon sellers out there. So I'm going to hand over to George and Rich now. I'm here with my good friend Rich. I've known Rich for a number of years and we always stumble across each other at parties, don't we? Always. Parties and events. And events. And yes. events, of course, yeah. So Rich, you deal specifically with trademarks, don't you? Trademarks and patents, correct. Uh, tra yes. Trademarks and patents, I beg your pardon. Yes. So, I would love to know a little bit more detail about why it's important that people especially have patents because trademarks, everyone needs it as yes. an Amazon seller, but why patents? Why should you go down that route to ensure that you have this in place for your brand? Well, when it comes to a patent, it's most helpful, I think, when you get to exit is having, having the patents will it's the multiple that you get when you go to exit. So I think for patents, that's the most important reason a lot of times. When you have a product that looks different from other products that is differentiated, it's important to get the, the patent because then when someone knocks you off, they're typically not going to get imaginative about okay. how they knock you off. So if you have a design patent, then you'll be able to shut down their listing by using that design patent. Okay. So I think that's probably the, the best case for Amazon sellers of patents as a more of a mandate is like when you have a differentiated product, we have a product that looks different, get a design patent. Otherwise. It's not always wise to apply for a patent, yeah. but I think trademarks is a no-brainer. I okay. think we should talk about why trademarks are a bit of a no-brainer. Yeah, and that's a very good topic because as a seller, you would need it for brand registry, wouldn't you? But I'm yes. sure as well as having it for brand registry, there's many other reasons. So having a registered trademark is a prerequisite to getting into the brand registry program, but being able to stop other sellers from using a brand name that's similar to your brand name oh. and might be confusing to, to your okay. customers confuse customers into thinking that they're dealing with you when they're really buying it from a competitor. Yeah. That's what a trademark is useful for. <laughs> and a lot of times when people put off applying for a trademark yeah. until later, what could have been a $2,000 process of getting a trademark becomes like a $50,000 or more process to try and undo yeah. someone else's rights who applied before you did. Let's talk about the length of time it takes to get a trademark. Yeah. Sometimes uh, there's some brands that have, it's taken an ages to do this. And I was just wondering what, it, what is it that you can do to help them speed up that process? Well, I mean, it, it will take time to get the trademark. It, it, it's taking between a year and a year and a half to actually okay. get the trademark. The important thing is get the application filed. Once you get the application filed, you can go into your seller account okay. and apply for brand registry. So the important thing is to get it filed. And, and the thing about trademarks is it's, it's, Fairly simple, but it's highly nuanced. So a lot of people will say, oh, you know, I know how the trademark process works. Let me just go to the USPTO website and file my own trademark application. Yeah. And you know, about half the time they'll get it right or close enough that they'll be okay. But like the other half of the time, they won't. And then a year will go by, it gets examined, it gets rejected. Then they come to me and say, hey, can you fix this? And yeah. it's like, no, we can't because it was applied for in the wrong way. Okay. So you lose time and you lose priority. Yeah. 
by doing so it's like you can get it right maybe about half the time but like i said it's simple but it's highly nuanced and so like working with someone who has a lot of experience filing trademarks will give you the best possibility of success you must have also had some complicated scenarios where they're applying for a trademark and a one brand comes across slightly similar to another brand yes how would you tackle such a situation yeah but i mean th that's where it's kind of important to see the different, to, to really deeply understand the principles upon which trademarks are founded and trademark registrations are approved and denied, yeah. to really understand where you could argue where there is maybe distinctiveness, where someone else has a similar name, but it's creating a different commercial impression, or you're in different industries, or there's some other things that you can argue to show that there is a niche that you can carve out for what you're doing, yeah. even though something else exists that might be a little bit close. Is that right? When is it a good time to actually apply for a trademark? Would that be before you start thinking about the brand name? When you got your products listed, is that too late? And when you're running your brand, what would you do? Yeah, well, here's the thing. Unlike patents, it's never actually too late to apply for a trademark. So like with patents, if you're selling a product and it's, it's public, you'll lose the rights to ever apply for a patent. It is okay. like, there's some game over in that. Okay. With trademarks, it doesn't quite work that way. So yeah. it's kind of like, if you, let's say, took over your family's business yeah. and they've been selling under that brand for 20 years and no one else, no competitor bothered to use that branding before, it's still possible for you to apply unless someone put in an application before you. So okay. like, there's no actual time limit of when you need to apply, but it pays to apply at an earliest stage as possible. And the way I like to look at it in terms of like, when is the right time is at an earlier stage as you know that you have something important to you, you have something valuable to you. Okay. You might be musing around saying okay. like, hey, I think I've got a couple of possible names for my product, but you're not really, you haven't really settled on one yet. And if like, it turns out that one of them you can't use because a competitor starts using it, it won't really kill you because you've got a bunch of other names in mind, then it's yeah. probably too early. Okay. But once you start investing in that brand, you start ordering inventory. Like, you know that your product is going to be packaged with a certain brand name. You definitely should be applying for a trademark by that point. So as early a moment as you have something at stake in that brand name, okay. something on the line, and you want to make sure that your investment is protected. Okay. Have you ever come across a situation where a company's come to you and said, I've got this conflict with another brand. Can you help me now get a trademark to help me win this case? Yeah. And what have you done in those situations? Well, here's the thing. If there's a conflict with the brand, you're probably, the answer is not to get a trademark. The answer might be to rebrand, okay. right? I mean, it's, it kind of depends on the situation. If like there's a conflict because, well, hey, we've been doing this for 10 years and someone just got on the scene that is now using a similar name. Maybe then we establish the client's trademark rights and we go after the other person to okay. get them to stop, right? Okay. But a lot of times, by the time that there's, we've gotten to a conflict, getting the trademark isn't the way out of it. Okay. It, it might involve rebranding. Okay. So, yeah. So when we take a step back, I'm looking at a company who is just about considering what to call their company and what brand to use. What steps would you recommend they take before they pick a name and invest money in inventory and branding on packaging and online? Yeah, well, I mean, usually the first step of the trademark registration process is to do a trademark search 
to see what conflicting marks are out there. And in doing so, we're typically following things that might create an issue, like the type of people that would say, hey, wait a second, your name is too close to mine. So, so often the same things that might get in the way of registration and then would, would say like, well, we're not going to be able to register it, so we should pick a different name. What are the things that would also show that you're going to have a conflict with someone? So just the trademark search, just going through the trademark first process at an early stage would help to avoid those types of issues. Okay. Okay, brilliant. So Richard, how can people get in touch with you? What's the best way if yeah. they've got some issues that want to talk about trademarking and they want to reach out? Okay. Well, so I have someone on my team that is there just to talk to people that are looking to get our help with trademarks. Right. Okay. And or patents and trademarks to figure out if it's a match to work together. His name is Larry Slavin. And by the way, he reports that a lot of the people he talks to, they say that they've called 10 other law firms and nobody calls them back. And that's kind of because we're busy working on cases and you know, we usually get, like, I get a few hundred inquiries a month. Wow, okay. So I have Larry there just to talk to people, to be able to take time with them to see if it's a match to work together. Okay. And easy way to get to talk to him is I also set up cool little thing. It's just speaktolarry.com. Hey. So speaktolarry.com is like goes to his appointment core. Okay. You can set up a, to pick a slot and talk to Larry and see if it's a match to work together with us. Brilliant. Yeah. Brilliant. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. Welcome to the Clear Ads podcast, Highway to Sell. You're here with Tom Wernicorn, head of account at Clear Ads. Some of you know, I've been away for a while on a sabbatical tour in Japan, but now I'm back bigger refreshed and better than ever. This week, we're continuing with our guest series with George Maressa and our two amazing guests, Rich Goldstein and Sean Hart. Rich Goldstein is a patent lawyer who focuses on IPO protection and trademarks in the Amazon space. A fascinating and important topic for all Amazon sellers out there. So I'm going to hand over to George and Rich now. Wow. Thank you so much to George and Rich there. I feel so much better informed after that conversation and we're not even finished yet, which brings me on to our second guest for this week's podcast, Sean Hart. Sean is the co-founder of Post Purchase Pro and a highly successful Amazon seller in his own right. Their discussion today focuses on brand referrals and customer retention tools. So George and Sean, over to you. So I am here with my friend, Sean Hart. I've known Sean for a number of years now, and it's been a pleasure to actually have this time to speak to you because most of the time when I see you, you're speaking on stage. So Likewise. Um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but um, so I want to start with like your history. Okay. You, you were an Amazon seller. You were in the e-com space. Can you just share with everyone Absolutely. your experience in that? Yeah, so George, before I did Amazon, I was in direct response marketing. Okay. And in the direct response marketing game, meaning like infomercials, like we advertise on television, radio, newspapers, entire business survival depended on what we used to call back-end sales. That are, these are sales that happen after the initial purchase. So I started Amazon in 2013. With wow. the intention of building brands yep. by leveraging the Amazon marketplace and then selling those brands. So what happened, George, was kind of like accident. I approached Amazon from a different angle. I didn't know that most sellers weren't doing this, but we put a tremendous amount of effort into yep. creating and building a relationship with our customers. Okay. Not a very popular subject for Amazon sellers. Yeah. 
because Amazon builds a wall between buyers and sellers. Because they want to keep their sellers to themselves. Yeah, yeah. As yeah. they should. Yeah. Because the most valuable asset of any business in the world is not the product, it's not the real estate, it's not the friend or the goodwill, it's the customer. So as an Amazon seller, you go out and make a transaction, what do you do? You immediately go out and look for another customer. On Amazon. On Amazon. Yeah, and yeah. you're forgetting about the most valuable asset, customer. Yeah. So what we did was different. We started out with the idea that we're going to develop a customer base so that we have a captivated audience to resell to. And after $153 million in revenue, 41% of that or $62 million, we could be directly allocated to what we did after the initial wow. purchase. Okay. Yep. Wow, that is amazing. Okay. So... 40%, over 40% of sales 41. came from, 41% came from a second sale. They came from reaching out to a customer after they purchased. Now, now we're in terms of service and all of that scary stuff now where your account can get shut down. How would you best tackle that? How would you approach this fence? Sure. So we deal with this topic all the time. There, there are a lot of Facebook groups and other private masterminds yeah. that are putting out bad information. They don't yeah. know they're putting out bad information. It's not illegal for me to have a relationship with my customer. What we do is not what other sellers do. Other sellers are using something like a product insert, and they'll say, hey, go leave me a review. I'll give you a free hand. That's 100% against how to serve. Yeah. What we're doing differently, George, is we're creating a unique situation where the end user chooses to reach out to me, the brand owner, because we're providing world-class customer support and better, we're enhancing the end user's experience. How are you doing that? So we, it, obviously it's gonna depend on the category or the yeah. product, but let's say you buy a fitness product. Maybe we call an attention-getting marketing device, also known as a product insert, to say, hey, thank you for your purchase. In order for you to get the best results from this item to avoid voiding your warranty or causing injury, go check out this quick video that shows you how to best use the product and get better uh, results. That is customer service. And, and, that, and, 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 and that doesn't in any way infringe with Amazon. It Absolutely just, not. If you bought a coffee maker on Amazon and there was a card that said, go register your warranty at mrcoffee.com, yeah. is that against her? No, purpose? no, no. What if you bought a new pair of Nike sneakers? Yes. And it said, scan the QR code, download our app. Is that against terms of service? Yeah. You took the initiative to reach out to the brand. Yeah. That's 100% okay. Yeah. Yeah. Interested. Okay. That's very different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's very interesting. Okay. So, so you, you were sending on Amazon and now you're helping brands and you're consulting them on how to put this into practice in their businesses. So what are the biggest opportunities you see when it comes to this strategy of post-purchasing? So post-purchase marketing is just like the name implies. It's all of the sales that happens and all the marketing that happens after the initial purchase. Okay. So instead of going out immediately looking for a new customer, we're taking a percentage of the customers who opt in to receive yeah. more value from the brand. Yeah. We simply dump them back into the top of the funnel okay. and stay top of mind. It's, so yeah. if you're buying a call hammer or a buggy whip or a toilet seat, and as a brand owner, you may say, why would I ever need more than one pillow or one hammer? But as a brand owner, it's not up to you, George, to yeah. answer the questions. It's up to you to ask the question. Let the customer answer and vote with his credit card. Does that okay. make sense? That makes sense. That makes sense. That's okay, great. Okay, so tell me about some of the crazy success you've seen and examples that you could share. Obviously, not into too much detail because it's giving away 
other people's products with this. I just interviewed one of our clients here at the event, and he, he trusted me with the information yeah. that his very first email campaign went out. Now, this is a $40 million per year customer. Yeah. Right? This is not a, a beginner. He's doing $40 million per year. His very first email campaign through my company, Post Purchase Pro, on over $50,000, $54,000 in revenue, additional revenue that is completely quantified through his own brand attribution link. Wow, okay. Now, $4,600 came back to him as a brand with high bonus. Wow. 100% pure profit. Wow. That's no, that's not typically. That's a big seller. Yeah, yeah. But what I want you to understand is, have you ever had a Burger King hamburger? Oh, yeah. Do you stop at Burger King every time you drive by? No. But does that stop Burger King from marketing? No. No. So the idea is we want to make sure that your brand is top of mind, front to center, if and when that customer yeah. reaches a point where they want to make another purchase. Okay. Or, this is where you're forgetting, refer a friend to the product or buy an additional one as a gift. Uh, okay. So in that way, you're not only increasing the lifetime value of that customer, you're enhancing your reach and really getting as much back for every penny you spend Bingo. on advertising and all the efforts you put in. Bingo. So sure, this is amazing news. Now, if someone here listening wanted to get in touch with you, what's the best way they can reach out? So our company is Post Purchase Pro, P-R-O, postpurchasepro.com. And basically, we're complete done for you, post-purchase marketing. We're the only one in the Amazon industry. Okay. We do a weekly podcast. It's the post-purchase podcast. Okay. My business partner, you know, Seth and I, I mean, we put out content every week on the best strategies that you can implement in your Amazon business to get bigger wins. Amazing. Okay, awesome. It's so good to interview you. And I look forward to hearing from you and seeing you in future events. Well, I'll give you my one statement. But it, as a seller, your job is to create transactions on Amazon. Right. Our job is to make every one of your Amazon customers more valuable by keeping them around longer and compelling them to buy more. Okay. Amazing. I love Amazing. what you're doing, George. Thank you so much. Likewise. Good work. Awesome. Take care. Amazing. Thank you so much, Sean. Thank you so much, George and Sean. That brings us to the end of our interviews today. We hope you enjoyed this episode, another episode in the guest series. As always, please share the link to our podcast with your friends, family, and colleagues. And if you or someone you know is interested in working with us on an Amazon advertising account, don't hesitate to reach out to us and book a call with us through our website. That is clearadsagency.com. And we'd be more than happy to hear from you and help from you. So that's goodbye from us. And we'll see you next time.